And welcome to another edition of Fire in the Mountains. Finally, after a two-month sabbatical, I am Ricky Wittenberg. We are joined tonight with by Andy Waddell and the newest member of our panel that will be coming in and out, Clint Cooper. And Andy, it's been a couple of months. Uh, how What's been going on in your world? Been running around like a chicken with my head cut off, ready to get back and get to talking about the wrestling. All right, and uh, first time on the show, so I'll let you introduce yourself or, or however you want to do it. Coop, uh, we went to high school together, known each other a long time, know that you're a big wrestling fan like us, and uh, you know probably more about Smoky Mountain than me and Andy put together. So thought it'd be a good idea to have you on the show. So uh, why don't you tell some the people kind of your background in wrestling? I just grew up on it from the time I was like four or five. We used to go watch Smoky Mountain at Freedom Hall all the time. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely went to more live cards than than me and Andy did, and uh, like you know, back in the day, we were in high school in the mid nineties, so um, we had but we had During, several... when wrestling was actually good, and you know, everybody wanted to watch it. Yeah, amen. Yeah, it's the funny thing because like going through school we talked about this in school how it was so uncool to have been a wrestling fan but then by god by the time we were juniors everybody wanted to talk to us because we knew what the hell was going on the rock and stone cold they just changed it all they did and the nwo i mean we can't forget and and we'll never forget lex luger he by god eventually did join the nwo right eventually yeah (laughs) two years after i told you it's gonna happen all right, so <laughs> you said DDP was going to join them too. So I mean, yeah, I, I guess I was one for two. Hey, even a broke watch is right one or twice a day. Yeah, you almost screwed that up. <laughs> yeah, I about did. Hey, it's been a long time. Huh? Yeah, we're, we're, we got a little bit of ring rest here on the show, and and Coop's a new a new player, and and conspicuous by his absence this week is uh, the keyboard warrior himself, Justin Edgel, and he's he's. Andy, should we tell the people what he's doing? Ding dong, the Yankees gone, Yankees gone, Yankees oh, gone. No, no, Ding no, dong, no, the Yankees no, gone until no. next time. Yeah, he'll be back. Um, I, maybe. I, actually, you know, we've been watching these shows, and Brian Lee, we, we've, we're going to get into it on these <laughs> next three episodes. There is an uh, angle going on with Brian Lee right now where there is a $10,000 bounty on Brian Lee's head. And Justin has taken off to collect the bounty, and we just didn't have the heart. To tell poor Justin that the, he's completely out of his element, and this was 25 years ago. But Justin is actively tracking Brian Lee in Florida as we speak. Oh, I thought he was over in Japan. I'm my bad. I don't know. I think Brian Lee may still be in Florida. I'm not sure. I think he used to live at the Undertaker's house. Well, there's no need to whine about it. Oh, gotcha. All right, so we are going to kick off these uh, three-episode taping. We're going to do three episodes in one because this was one big uh, TV taping. And we start out. Where's my notes? Where did my notes go? I mean, I can't do this without the notes. Okay, we are in Pikeville, Kentucky, Andy. And uh, you're the, yes. the, the general. You always tell us where this these places are located. Where is Pikeville? It is just northeast of Carpville. That's a good answer. Okay. We come out. Is that, is that just outside Parks Unknown? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pikeville probably is. I've, 
I've been to some weird places, but I've never been to Pikeville, Kentucky. It, it's a horrible place. All right. Dutch Mantell is holding up the wanted sign for Brian Lee as we open the show, so you know that that's going to be a recurring theme. And match one on this first episode is Ben Jordan against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And Orndorff comes out without his music. He don't, it, it's I like it, Andy. I like it. He he don't have time for that shit. He's just there to kick ass and break necks. Yeah, and this dude might have been might as well have been named Ben Dover because he's fixing to get it. That's right, Coop. What do you think about Orndorff? I mean, you're new to these shows, but you know all these people, so I'll let I'll let you give your opinion on uh, Paul Orndorff's run in Smoky Mountain. I think he's probably not very happy from going to wrestling in Madison Square Garden to wrestling in Pikeville, Kentucky. Probably not, and he takes it out on Ben Jordan in this match. He just beats the ever-living shit out of him. And Ben Jordan, I I will be remiss if I don't mention his tights. It looks like he was dipped in a Lisa Frank painting. Um, Not a good look, Andy. Uh, Possibly the fashion statement of the week. If I knew what the hell Elisa Frank was, I might be impressed by that comment. But, but you know. at least it's not just me. I thought that was just me that didn't get that one. God damn! I need no, to- we're in Pikeville, Kentucky. We don't know what no Lisa Frank painting is. What the heck? We barely know what Crayola paintings are. Okay, well. <laughs> ain't got no use for that book learning. That's right. We no. got all the education we needed in the second grade. <laughs> all right okay well anyway ben jordan looked like a he, he was a, a nightmare and of fluorescent colors okay uh he misses a high cross body off the top rope in the match andy i know you've had to see this guy during the tapings because my god we can't miss him there's a guy in the front row that that is um maybe two or three biscuits shy 500 pounds and he's he's got some people in his own personal orbit there's some small children leftover nachos and Stan Lane's hairpiece orbiting his person. And all I could think was blue moon of Kentucky keep on shining. Uh, poor guy. I mean, he was there to have a good time, and and uh, he just caught some people up in his space. Or- Orndorf puts a guy's face. This is one of his signature moves. He puts a guy's face on the mat and then just kicks the crap out of him in the back of the head. And that's a classic heel move. Hey, there ain't much to say about the match. It's a squash, obviously. Orndorff hits a knee off the top for the win because he can't use the pile driver. I didn't really like that. Uh, Andy, what do you think about the knee off top rope? Uh, he's too big a guy to be doing that kind of stuff. I mean, if you can't do the pile driver, just modify it and do a power bomb or something. But do a reverse pile driver. Yeah. yeah, you know, do something. You know, try to flirt with the rules since you're the heel. But you know, I, I don't like. Yeah, it just didn't look right. No, I, the, he needs to. He needs to work on it. Now, if it looked like Bob Holly coming off the top rope, that was kind of impressive <laughs> when he had his little run. He he has some top rope moves that looks like it killed people. But Orndorff, yeah, he's, he's he's slightly better built than Bob Holly. Yeah, he's a little bit more massive of an individual. You don't expect that from him. All right, so You're waiting on a Sid Vicious leg break before it's over oh with. Oh, God, yeah. So we go to the desk. Paul Orndorff said he's not behind this bounty, and Bob Cottle is definitely accusing him of being behind the bounty for some reason. And uh, he Orndorff reminds us that he has a face like Robert Redford, a body like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and a mind like Albert Einstein. Um, Andy, it's time for a game. 
uh, I'll start with you. Quickly, uh, off the top of your head, Jackie Fulton, face lock, body lock, and mind lock. Go. Face like a child molester, body like a child molester, mind like Eugene. (laughs) Okay. That's good enough. Uh, Clint, Bob Armstrong, face lock, body lock, mind lock. Face like old as shit, body like old as shit, and mind like senile old as shit. Well, <laughs> well played, sir. I may have went with B. Arthur for the face for poor Bob Armstrong. <laughs> That's not really fair to B. Arthur, though. <laughs> no. Howdy duty, maybe, but not, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we show highlights of the Heavenly Bodies and the Fantastics where the bodies won the titles. Back from the Fantastics. And then we go to enter an interview with the Fantastics, and Bobby said that they stole the belts, which they kind of did. And then he also says that the smell was still within him when he woke up. The smell yes. was still within him when he woke up. Yes. See, this shows the genius of Cornette. He knew the ether wouldn't work on Jackie because Jackie is immune to it, and that's where he got the ether was from Jackie's back. So he had to wait on Bobby. So he could E three. Good theory. Uh Coop, I don't know if you've heard many of our opening episodes, but there is a um running joke, and it's maybe not a joke, that uh, Jackie Fulton may or may not be a child molester. But do you care to comment so on this? What what's the percentage? Are we like seventy thirty on that or I think we're up to about eighty twenty. Yeah. Oh, so he's ready he's ready for the list then. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's 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 waiting for that visit from uh, what's his name. <laughs> if that TV show would have been on back in the day, Jackie Fulton would have been in a lot of trouble. Oh, to catch a predator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are you standing here naked with a six pack of beer, Jackie? Uh, I don't know. Well, he wasn't uh, naked. I just, he had came, a, I just came to talk. That's just, it. Just had a title belt. <laughs> That's all he was wearing was a title belt. Oh God. Oh, man, Paul Lee's not on these episodes. We can't talk about Little Nate. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> uh, we, have the de- we go to the desk with Bob Armstrong. He's got the heavenly bodies. And uh, I'm not, the, the people in Pikeville eat real well. I'll say that. And I can't really throw stones. Um, Pritchard says that they have w- their women flown in. I, if there's one recurring theme with Tom Pritchard. He must have been the horniest man on the face of the planet in 1992 because all he ever talks about is getting laid. Andy, I mean, is it part of the gimmick or has Pritchard got a problem? Um, I think both. I mean, you know, come on, you got the gold belt. You're a wrestler. Somebody sees you on TV back then. You're famous. Hell yeah. They think You make them think you're Roddy Piper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I guarantee you he had a kilt hit somewhere in his bag. Probably. Um, Coop, what do you think about uh, the bodies in general, uh, the the gimmick, uh, this original incarnation with Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard? Uh, not quite as good as the Midnight Express, but they were they were okay back in the day. Yeah, I, I liked them. I mean, I think they were better than Eaton and Condry, but not as good as Eaton and Lane. That's now, when Jimmy Del Rey come along, yeah, I would, they sucked. Yeah, Jimmy Del Rey, he kind of grew on me after I watched some of this a little bit, and he probably grew on me. He probably caused some people to grow some things when he was a member of the Heavenly Bodies. Um, 
poor guy. Rest in peace. Uh, what's Jimmy Del Rey? He died last year. Okay, so Stan Lane. Way to bring it down. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to bring him. Uh, we'll, we'll. It'll come full circle. Stan Lane is still selling the fact that he's got a ruptured eardrum, which is still due to the fact that he's wearing this god-awful hairpiece that has to be held on by this headgear. But at least the fans are, they're, they're into the gimmick. If I can't say anything else, Andy, the fans are into the gimmick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell a redneck not to do something, we will do it, and with gusto. Yeah, yeah. Match number two, Tim Horner against Joe, <laughs> Golden Boy Joe Kazana. And uh, I like Mr. Kazana, and we're friends on Facebook, so I'm not going to call him by the name that we used to call him by. Uh, Tim gives the lightning bolt to the child orbiting the large man in the front row. So you can get an up close to him. And uh, Bob Carl says that a fan came up to him today and said that Dutch Mantell was a man, a legend, and a way of life. That, my God, that should be on a shirt. I'd buy it. That, and, and I don't know what brought this up because apparently this, I, I have a feeling this actually happened because they were joking about it. I don't think he'd have made that up. The Dirty White Boy and Ron Wright come out to the desk, and we're in the beginnings of this angle. Wright says that they haven't been avoiding Tim Horner, and he's complaining about Horner harassing him at 4 a.m. in the morning on his phone. He can't sleep. He can't take his heart pills. Uh, Dirty White Boy says that Horner won't get a match because he's not number one, and he don't deserve it. Horner, Kazana, they do their standard match. Um Horner wins with the natural bridge like normal, and then he goes straight to the desk. The Dirty White Boy and Ron Ryder are at the desk, and he just wants to know if his name is in the hat. Well, they, they swear that his name is in the hat, and I love this angle. I mean, you can see where it's headed. You Don't take a rocket scientist, but sometimes you don't need to reinvent the wheel. I think it's a good angle. Uh, Coop, what do you think about this Dirty, uh, dirty White Boy's just won the title from Brian Lee in his first program is with Tim Horner. Do you think that Horner was the guy they should have went with? No, I mean, how can you argue with the dirty white boy's physique, man? He's like a natural made champion. Yeah. Well, I mean, he just look he does look like a natural born mm-hmm. just ass kicker. But I, I, and I don't really, I'm not all that into Tim Horner, but the fans like him and at the point where they're at in Smoky Mountain, I'm not really sure who else they could have plugged in there since they're working Brian Lee into this new program. Andy, what do you think? I saw Tim Horner wear a bolo tie one time, and after that, he just, he just has no respect for me. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I will have to agree with Coop on this because we all know he is shameless when it comes to his pursuit of the title. Oh, God almighty. I'm not queuing up him singing again. We will. Oh, come on, please. Well, no, not happening. Um, we get the commercial for the uh, Volunteer Slam, and they tell us that we can see it in our own home for $15, and I say don't, because that I think it's $12 too much. Yeah, well, that show was awful. I, I would have paid not to watch it when we reviewed it a few months ago. Andy, um, the Volunteer Slam commercial, uh, ain't that a normal Friday night in your house? Pretty much. I mean, you know, especially if the Tennessee's playing football, we're usually slamming either a TV or a beer or something. You know, something's getting slammed. There you go. 
Down and Dirty with Dutch Mantel. He's got Bob Armstrong and Primetime Brian Lee. And Dutch, Dutch, God Almighty, there there is no amount of words that can say how awesome Dutch Mantel was in Spooky Mountain because he's playing the complete coward again, says it's reprehensible, and he's just offended by this whole thing, and Brian Lee is being wronged. Then Bob has another letter. He said, all of wrestling will pay, and Brian Lee's going to be the first to suffer. Armstrong says he don't know who this, who could be this sick. And if anybody in Smoky Mountain is involved in this, they're going to be banned for life. And then Dutch asks Brian if he can sleep at night. And Brian, he rips up the poster, says he'll rip up anybody that gets in his face. They leave, and then Dutch turns around and tells the fans to shut up because the faces are out of the picture, so Dutch can go back to being a, a an asshole. Andy, um, what do you think? And the words are our esteemed colleague, fuck Brian Lee. There you go. Uh, Coop, you know, I think you know what's coming. Uh, Justin never watched Smoky Mountain, so... All this is organic when he sees it, but you do know what the big reveal is, right? Uh, refresh my memory. Well, uh, the, the, there is a, a tiny little guy that used to be married to the, to the, to the lady that Chris Benoit offed that'll be coming in. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where it's headed, but that it, we're not there yet. And, uh, I ain't going to ruin it for Justin. So he'll have to see it play out. Well, you're just a big tease. <laughs> That's all it is. Yes, he is. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'll remember that. You remember I'm going to see you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> we go back to the desk with Bob Armstrong, and he's with the Dirty White Boy and Ron Wright. I know that Bob Cottle. There's too many Bobs. Don't matter what name is pulled out of the hat. He said that he he puts it up against anybody. They put all the names in Dutch's hat. Dirty White Boy gets white when he draws the name. Now, you see him draw the name, and then he turns white, and then he blurts out a name, and he says, Newton Steffi. And it's obvious that he pulled out Tim Horner's name and then just come up with a guy. And then, lo and behold, Andy, we, we Newton Steffi, actually does appear at ringside and, and comes out for the match. I've never – I don't remember this jobber. Uh, Dutch during this match is hilarious because he's really trepping up old Newton. He's a Canadian champion, and he can beat – and he's beat everybody, and Bob Cottle's prodding him on who he beat. Dutch, Dutch don't have any names. He said, who'd he beat? He said, well, everybody. <laughs> he's the champion. <laughs> he just beat them all. Yeah, extended he- – it, Dirty White Boy just whips this guy's ass all over the ring, like you'd expect. And uh, Bob grabs a piece of paper, sometimes because Dirty White Boy just threw it down, and he shows the fans that it had Tim Horner's name on it. And and Dutch goes off and says Dirty White Boy wouldn't do that; that he has a high moral standard. <laughs> and uh, during, I mean, this is a just a squash match. Dirty White Boy's just beating the crap out of Newton Steffi. He finally hits him with the buck snort blaster. Tim Horner comes to the ring. He calls the Dirty White Boy a coward. He, Dirty White Boy says he's going to hurt him. Uh, Horner hands him the mic and says, why don't you hold this? And then he just knocked the, he just knocked the taste out of his mouth. That was a good slap. You're going to slap somebody in wrestling and you want to make it look good, you, you slap somebody, and he did. <laughs> Andy, uh, I, I think some of the saliva landed on Bob Cottle all the way from the ring. 
Yeah, they exchange bodily fluids, and in some countries, they're already married. Possibly. Um, but Tim Horner at least laid it in uh, on the on the smack to the Dirty White Boy, so we're we're setting it up anyway. We got the Dirty White Boy has apparently pulled Tim Horner's name out. He was afraid to actually give him the match. He calls out this <laughs> random guy, and then we've we've got an angle going, so we're we're into it now. We then have the main event this week, and it is Nitro Danny Davis and Dixie Dynamite. God, against a stud stable. And uh, Bob says that when you talk about size and you talk about big, what are you talking about, Andy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Robert Fuller's uh, endowment. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, yeah, we've seen the picture. Um, There's not much left to say. What has been seen cannot ever be unseen. That's right. Uh, we w- Why are you seeing it, though? Because <laughs> Ricky showed it to me. That, he said, here, check this out. And I'm like, no. And there it was. It, it's, it's, it's just the running joke. I mean, somebody told me about it, and I'm like, what are they talking about? And then somebody sent it to me. And after I seen it, I couldn't unsee it, and I had to send it to Andy. So... It's well, a guess who's getting circle. it next? Yeah, yeah guess who? Guess who's going to wake up one morning and see that? Thanks a lot. I'll be sure to pay you back. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is clothed, correct, Andy? I mean, he is wearing. Yes, he. He is wearing. He clothes. is clothed. <laughs> and so it's uh, a cucumber down the pants deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, uh, uh, more like a uh, a uh, uh, a pogo stick down the pants. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, hey, let's say like, if him and Jake the Snake were on a tag team, Jake wouldn't need to carry the bag. How's that? There you go, there you go. So this is the TV main event. It's uh, the Stud Stable against Dixie Dynamite Danny Davis, and um, Danny Davis basically he's had the most horrible outfits of anybody I've ever seen in Smoky Mountain. And this week he comes out in a patchwork quilt done by somebody that was colorblind. The best way to describe it without actually seeing it. Andy, what is that... What if grandma made that for him? He, she might have. I mean, it's possible. But I it's, think it was grandma of the first few uh, Oh, Bouncing Beulah. Yeah, oh, Bouncing yeah. Beulah sent that to him. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty bad, though. Uh Fuller throws Dixie Dynamite around. He tries to do a flare strut. Mm, don't don't do it so well. Typical. It's a typical quick team against power team. Davis gets the fa- he does get the fans into it. I mean, if nothing else, my God, the fans like Danny Davis, and I liked him a whole lot better when he was a nightmare with Ken Wayne and a bad guy. But that's beside the point. And I mean, maybe. Andy, I, I think maybe I could take him just a little more seriously if he didn't look like a – if he didn't just dress like a dysfunctional Cabbage Patch kid. Because that's kind of what he looks, looks like. It looks like he's trying to go through the entire, like, decades of couches <laughs> with his ensemble here. I mean, you know, it's – I don't get it. And, and I think he's him, going backwards in time because he started out with that retro mid-'80s <laughs> black and gold thing. And now he's fell back into the 70s. Yeah, so who knows? I don't know. By the time it's over with, he'll show up in a bearskin outfit. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so. 
Me nitro, me go boom. Uh, he's going to explode all over everybody. Bob Cottle always likes to remind us that. Yes. Which See, is, the, with him and Dixie Dynamite, though, that that's where I still think they missed out on the opportunity for like a cruiserweight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all things, yeah. all all seriousness, they, they should have had a lot heavyweight division in Smoky Mountain because they had enough guys. They had Hector Guerrero and Dixie Dynamite and Danny Davis and. Uh, I mean, they had Barry, I mean, they had Barry Horowitz and Rip Rogers hanging around, so they they could have done something with that if they would have wanted to. Oh yeah, but us East Tennessee people, we don't like to see them little guys. We like to see them five hundred pound guys like that dude in the front row. We want them be seven foot two, three hundred and eighty pounds by next week. Sign him up, get his ass in the ring. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, they may have him in the ring before it's over with. He may have been the guy that's the Mongolian Mauler. I actually, mm, I'm not sure. He might have been hiding under his belly, though. Yeah. Uh, the match breaks down in Gibson and Morton come to ringside. Morton holds Jimmy Golden's leg, trips him, and holds him down. Dixie Dynamite gets the pin. Um, is a is a decent TV main event. Uh, Andy, is there anything we can really say about this other than it's to continue the angle with the stud stable and the Rock and Roll Express? Yep, that's about it. <laughs> that's it. All right, so TV 33 was just a setup episode. We'll go straight into TV 34. And match number one, Rick Newsom, everybody's favorite, with Ben Jordan against the stud stable. And stud stable come to the ring, and uh, they just – the, they just start kicking, kicking it immediately. Newsom, um, if you don't, if you haven't watched the episode, he looks a little bit like an out of shape Disco Inferno. Yes. Ben Jordan wow. has been to Danny Davis's tie dye school again. I, it's, I'm sure it's the same trunks, same tapings, and uh, Fuller wins this match with the cock thrust to the head. Uh, Andy, I mean, most that, deadly move in wrestling. <laughs> For some people, it is, and, and Robert Fuller just uh, he he knocks the opponent out with this um, thrust to the head. Andy, where would you rate Robert Fuller's um, thrust on uh, the deadly scale? I, I would rate it as a John Holmes. Yeah. Uh, Golden gets a stretch. They bring a stretcher to the ring because apparently somewhere in these house show loops they're having stretcher matches with the Rock and Roll Express, and uh, they drag the car, the the carcass of uh, Newsom to it. That's a three minute TV match. The to progress the angle highlights of a match in Kingsport between Ronnie Garvin and Paul Orndorff. And God Almighty, okay, this is. Interesting. Orndorff rips up Garvin's towel after a sucker punch, and then he chokes him with the towel. Then he hangs him with the towel from the top rope. And the announcer, this is the best part of the whole deal because he is try, he's trying to explain how brain damage works. And if anybody should know, this announcer is he. Oh, I think that's a guy that died. <laughs> well, we know why now. <laughs> Going to hell, Andy. <laughs> well, oh, no. here's all I kept thinking though. I mean, you know, where? What was that dude's name? David Carradine? You know, the kung fu dude? Where was he during what? all this? Oh God! Uh, 
So, Danny Davis. <laughs> straight to hell, Andy. Straight. Straight. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm in the express lane, sir. Danny Davis. He, Danny Davis finally cuts poor Ronnie Garvin loose. Garvin gets mad over the towel situation with a backstage interview after this happened. I mean, he is really mad about this towel. And he said that, that was he, his only towel. Oh, no, no, no. He'll explain that. He, he, he says, you know, he. He gives it to a fan every night, and and the he the Orndorff robbed the fan that Garvin was going to give it to of his towel, like anybody really cared. And uh, but he's going to make Paul Orndorff beg and cry. And Paul Orndorff is now at the desk at the studio. Bob keeps harping on the bounty. He ain't going to leave Orndorff alone. And before long, Orndorff's going to pile drive Bob Cottle. Uh, Orndorff says he's going to take the 10K and stick Lee right here on TV, and he's sick and tired of Ronnie Garvin. Pretty, I mean, if nothing, Paul Orndorff may not be the best interview in the world, but by God, he gets the message across. He's straight into the point. He's going to whip your ass, and he, if you keep asking him about that, he's going to pile drive you. Uh, so you don't have to be polished to get your message across. Match number two, here it is. Tim Horner against the Dirty White Boy. And Horner is out all over the Dirty White Boy with the speed. I mean, the fans are going absolutely ape shit over Tim Horner. Uh, I mean, it's either that or McDonald's is possibly delivering to the stands during this episode. Good Lord. <laughs> Quote of the week from Dutch. He says, if I tell you a chicken dips tobacco... Look under his left wing, and a can of Copenhagen's going to fall out. The immortal Dutch Mantel. It, it was a good match. Um, they're not going to give too much away on TV because they're just building the angle up. Horner surprises him and wins with a small package, and then probably the highlight of the week for me is that Ron Wright falls out of his wheelchair. I mean, it shocked him so much, the, the guy just topples over in his wheelchair. Uh, and and, the, that was the best bump of the whole week. And, and, and Buddy and, Landell wasn't even on the episode. No, and the, and this the best part about it was Horner. This is his best match all year. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin, uh, just sorry, Coop. What do you think about Ron Wright? I mean, the East Tennessee legend, the Smoky Mountain. What what do you make of Ron Wright? I mean, was he effective back then? No, because he was like a hundred years old in like nineteen sixty four, wasn't he? I mean, he he was much younger than he looked. Uh, did, he was, did they just like dig him up and bring him in there? They could have. I mean, he was only fifty four or fifty five years old when this was going on. That that poor man. I mean, he he just was that had, in reverse dog years. No, I mean the guy just had a rough life. I guess I don't know. But the the dude was he Ron, Ron Wright was only in his mid fifties, and he did look like he was in his mid seventies, all, all things considered. He reminds me of the people that ride around Walmart on the rascal now. Yeah, he he kind of does. <laughs> He'd fit right. He would be a hell of a Walmart door greeter. <laughs> Welcome to Walmart. I'm gonna whip your ass. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Cornette at the desk with no, he's down and dirty. Dutch, they're at the, they're in the ring with Killer Kyle, my other favorite wrestler. Um, 
just Killer Kyle standing there trying to look intimidating, and he pretty much just looks like he's trying not to shit himself. Um, Andy, uh, have you become any more impressed with Killer Kyle since he's joined Cornette's army? No. It don't work for me. He's not big enough or stout enough to be what they're trying to push him as. He's not. I mean, if you're going to have this... No, if you're going to have this big monster of a character, he needs to be at least taller than Cornette. I mean, come on, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, it ain't like Cornette's a giant. Exactly. He's not Big Bubba. He's not six foot three or six foot four with just... Trem- unbelievable athletic ability. I mean, Bubba Rogers, Ray Trailer, oh my God, for as big as he was in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, the guy could move like no other. So they're, he's trying to make his own Big Bubba character, and, and poor Mark Kyle, he's he's okay, but it's just not the gimmick. It, he's not a monster heel. I'm sorry, he's just not. No, he, he's more, he needs to be like the power portion of a tag team or something, you know, like the Robert Gibson type person, not a standalone, you know, badass. It just don't work. Robert Gibson's the power of that tag team? Well, yeah, pretty much. It's either him or Ricky Martin, let's be honest. <laughs> the eye of Gibson wins. <laughs> yeah, he can take out two at once. Okay, so um, I I don't even know what this down and dirty and cornet was about. Oh, he he was basically just talking about the Rock and Roll Express and Brian Lee. Um, not not really a good down and dirty. We go to the desk with Bob Armstrong, and he says that he's got extra security tonight, and he is going to guard the back door himself. Andy, no call here. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anybody else I'd rather have guarding my back door than Bob Armstrong. I don't know with them big old Coca-Cola glasses, would he even see anybody coming toward his back door? I don't know. Uh, Coop, uh, what what do you think about Bob Armstrong (laughs) guarding the back door from all threats to Brian Lee? I'm sure Brian Lee will be extra safe with him guarding the back door. (laughs) Nobody's going to penetrate the arena that way. <laughs> no, but they may come from within. Oh, God. Okay, match number three, Mike Sampson against Brian Lee. Uh, I mean, this match lasted about as long as that bad joke did. The Mongolian Mauler comes out from under the ring. He attacks Brian Lee. Jobbers to the rescue. They all get killed. Tim Horner and Dixie Dynamite, Danny Davis, finally come out and make a save. Um... I don't take the Mongolian Mauler very seriously either because he's about as tall as Sky Low Low. And he looks like a demented Teletubby. <laughs> he kind of looks like um, he kind of looks like a Bastion Booger, uh, Mike Shaw, except he's not quite as fat and not nearly as talented. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Uh, main event of this TV episode is the Heavenly Bodies against the Rock and Roll Express for the belts. Uh, Before we even talk about this match, Andy, we've been watching this for a while, and the Heavenly Bodies have been embroiled in the feud with the Fantastics. You know when Ricky Morton comes back, it's eventually going to be Rock and Roll Express and the Bodies, but my God, he just came back. They're still feuding with Studs Table. The Fantastics are still feuding with the Heavenly Bodies, but then they're doing this. Did they do this too quick? 
just a little bit. It needed more time to develop into this one, because, like I say, they, they have TV episodes. They haven't been back, but maybe five episodes. Yeah. It's it's way too soon. They're just now getting good and started with uh, the stud stable. So why break off from it? But well, it's you know, actually who knows? they won't. Well, they kind of will break off, but there is a good payoff coming on that too because we do get the three way feud, which is awesome. Eventually, three um, three ways are always awesome. <laughs> it depends on what perspective. I warned you about that earlier. <laughs> what what? I, I like I like triple threat matches. <laughs> All right, so the this is a good match, though. I mean, you're not going to have a bad match with these four guys. Well, I mean, Robert Gibson standing outside being the cheerleader that he is. You're not going to have a bad match with three guys and one and Robert Gibson's cheerleading. Um, they Pritchard sails really well. I'll give Tom Pritchard that. My God, he's he bumps good. He's all over the ring. And the Rock and Roll Express kind of outsmart the heels, which is funny because usually you'll see the heels come in and out without tagging, and the fans get mad. But the Rock and Roll Express are doing it without tagging. Cornette's just jumping up and down. He's asking the fans if they tagged, trying to show the ref. And the fans, of course, are saying, oh, yeah, they tagged, and Cornette is about to blow a gasket. Um, Morton... Winds up playing Ricky Morton, like he always does. And the bodies work him over for a few minutes. Gibson does get a hot tag. He gets tripped up by Killer Kyle. Mark Curtis ejects Killer Kyle from the ringside. We get a double drop kick. Cornette comes in the ring, though, to break that up. Stud stable come down. They interfere. They pull down the top rope. Gibson takes a – he flop, flops over the top rope. The referee's not looking. Stud stable rolls him back in the ring. And the Heavenly Bodies get the win. Now, um, I mean, it's a pretty good TV main event. Uh, could have been better, but, I mean, this is the first match. They're not going to go all out because they don't really have any reason to. And it's on TV. Andy, um, what do you think about the match? It was decent. I mean, it served its purpose, but it's still a bit too soon, I think. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing. They just they, they hot-shotted it, and... I mean, Cornette is God love him. I, I I like Cornette, but after we've been watching a lot of this early Smoky Mountain and some of this booking, Cornette talks about other people's booking mistakes a lot. But we've seen, I think, some pretty good mistakes that he's made early here in Smoky Mountain. Coop, what do, what do you think about Cornette's booking? I think when it first started, it was kind of weak. Yeah, I mean, he, he and they are maybe they're still trying to find their footing a little bit. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, he he's trying to go back to what's tried and true with the rock and roll and the and the heavenly bodies to recreate the rock and roll in the midnights. But Andy, this is just it seems like another misstep. I mean, what I mean, what do you make of it? Well, yeah, it's a misstep because they've got the feud going with Stud Staple, and it's a real good feud. You know, let that wind its way out. Let the Fantastics and the Bodies wind their way out. And then bring them back together, you know, as the two strongest teams. Then you've got a story to tell. But uh, it's like they just threw it in there to make the fans happy right now. Yeah, I mean, I, and I know they don't. But, man, what the, I really wish they'd bring back the um, – the, the the team the the what the team in the tag team tournament which which team are we talking about Andy uh, 
I've lost my train of thought. The guys that they uh, showed the highlights of Japan. From Japan. You yep. know, Billy Black and uh, Joel Deaton. I can't remember what they called him, but by God, that is good. They shouldn't ever yeah, let them go back pulling, to Japan. Yeah, they was pulling stuff off in 92 that you never seen again until Rey Mysterio, and they was twice his size. Was, yeah, I mean, J- Billy Black was n- not a little guy. <laughs> so I, th- I think they just didn't. They had watered down their tag teams a little bit, too. I mean, my God, we've—I think we've even lost the Batten Twins at this point. Oh no, no, Kenny, <laughs> no. Um, so we go to the desk with Bob Armstrong. Cornette's just raising absolute mortal hell, saying that the Rock and Roll won't get another title shot because that was the title shot he was going to give them. Armstrong says they will get another title shot, and he says also that the Fantastics have two more matches with the Bodies. And that Armstrong is going to be handcuffed to Cornette during these matches. And Jim Cornette says that he's not going to give them another title match, and he'll tie it up in court until our beards are down to our crotch. So um, he's been using that line quite a bit. Jim, then that, that's, how we, uh, that's how we exit episode number 34. So, um, I mean, this one looked like it had a lot of promise going in because we had – the Dirty White Boy fighting Tim Horner, and then we had the Rock and Roll against the Heavenly Bodies. But all in all, it was it's it's just storyline progression. They didn't really do a lot with it. Andy, did you? I mean, what do you think about the TV show? It, for this much promise, it was lacking badly. Yeah, but I mean, they can't all be great. They they have to ebb and flow. I just I just thought with those two matches on this show that we would have had a really strong show, and they really did. Good plan for execution. There you go. All right, so we'll come. We got uh, one more show to do, but we'll take our quick time out, and we'll be back on the other side with Smoky Mountain TV episode number 35. You're listening to Fire in the Mountains. What's up, everybody? This is Kevin Kelly. Make sure you check out every episode of The Kevin Kelly Show right here on the place to be nation place to be nation.com the kevin kelly show every episode is a winner at least we hope place to be nations justin rosero here in addition to the kevin kelly show we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on itunes stitcher google play and place to be nation.com and we now offer them to you on two great feeds as well on the place to be podcast feed you can check out scott criscolo and me on the mothership the place to be podcast with our famous Vintage Vault pay-per-view reviews, PTBN also covers current day wrestling with clotheslines and headlines, main event, Mission Indie Possible in our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows with immediate feedback on WWE, NXT, and Ring of Honor Super Shows. Relive Wrestling's past with our monthly pay-per-view rewind series led by Ben Morse and the Dangerous Alliance Wrestling Podcast as we dive into various subjects in the form of exercises and games. We also have sports covered too with the Sports Lounge, the TJ McLoon Show, and NBA Team Podcast. On our brand new PTB Pop Podcast feed, we offer great shows such as the Glenn Butler Podcast Hour Spectacular, Rank and File, Lucha Undead, as well as a veritable podcast heaven for comics fans with the hard traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, and Imaginary Stories. Subscribe to both feeds on iTunes and be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All of these shows are available on PlaceMation.com where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus tournaments and more. Be sure to check out the right-hand side of the site for details on how to support the site when you shop at Amazon and download our free Place to Be Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks. 
We also want to thank our friends at Boneheads Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, and Scott Keats' blog of doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlaceToBeNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. This is Parv, and I'm here to tell you to listen and subscribe to the Pro Wrestling Only Place to Be Nation podcast network. That's the PWO PTBN podcast network, where you'll find a ton of in-depth shows done by hardcore fans. We've got Chris Zellner's one-two punch of Exile on Bad Street and with David Bickenspan, a smash hit between the sheets. We've got Wrestling Culture with Dylan Hales and Dave Musgrave. Goodwill Wrestling and the reaction shows with Good Old Will from Texas. We got This Week in Wrestling with my man Pete and Johnny Sorrow. Stephen Graham and Tim Livingston's Pro Wrestling Super Show. Tag Team's Back Again with Kelly and Marty Sleaze. And a ton of other great shows too. And of course there's Titans of Wrestling and Where the Big Boys Play with yours truly and some dude from down south called Chad. PWO, PTBN, Podcast Network. Yeah, and welcome back to Fire in the Mountains. Technical difficulty. I got electrocuted. There's lightning in the area. Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Podcast. Uh, yeah, please listen to all of our Place to Be Nation shows. My God, if, if you're a wrestling fan, a wrestling fanatic, there is so many shows we got. There is not enough hours in the day to listen to everything. But listen to all those shows. Make sure you listen to us first because... Smoky Mountain is worth it. Yeah, these Smoky Mountain shows, the the last of the territories. I mean, the last of the territories. ECW is not quite the same. I mean, if you want to go what old school wrestling really was, Smoky Mountain is the last of the actual territories. Um, dying days. But we put up a good fight for a few years here, and... We're, we got one more TV episode to go over here tonight. We're on to episode number 35 of Smoky Mountain TV. I, I think this is the last show from Pikeville, Kentucky. Thank God. And we can we can move on. Um, we have Robbie Eagle and Mike Sampson versus the Rock and Roll Express. Andy, is it just me or when Robbie Eagle does, he does this pose at the beginning of the match. Does it or does it not put you in the mind of Buffalo Bill in uh, Silence of the Lambs? If he would have pulled out a jar of lotion, I would not have been surprised. Uh, nope, nope. I mean, it was it was rather uh, rather scary. We we've got a uh, an actual fan sighting of somebody that it looks like um, she's kind of attractive, and she's really happy to see the Rock and Roll Express heading to the ring, which only she means must have got lost. Yeah, which only means... It was one of the ones they flew in. It was one of the ones that the heavenly bodies flew in, first of all. And then, second of all, that night she becomes mother number 56 of Morton's children. <laughs> uh, God knows he only has about 186 little uh, mullet, mullet, blonde mullet <sighs> kids running around Greenville, Tennessee. Uh, Andy? Yes, uh, would you like to speak on the accuracy of my statement? I, yeah, well, there's so many white Mortons running around that it could be a salt shaker. <laughs> there you go. Um, Dutch brings out his old tried-and-true plywood and sheetrock comment for the Rock and Roll Express, which I don't really ever get old. <laughs> Dutch Mantel can... 
He can make a boring match interesting. Let's put it that way. Uh, new stalker has appeared, according to Bob Conlon. We're going to see him later. And we've already got the Mongolian Mauler, so God only knows what this could be. Rock and Roll Express wins with a double drop kick. Um, next. I don't think there's anything else to say about that. We are at the desk with the Rock and Roll Express. God almighty, Robert Gibson once again says that it is going to be a long day in hell. Coop, do you know the appropriate comment to make when you say something about it's not long day in hell? What is the appropriate comment? I'm not sure. I couldn't get over, you know, his eyes going back and forth in different places. I was trying to figure out what the hell he's looking at. <laughs> he's look, he's trying to find that girl, that attractive girl. I mean, it's not a long day in hell. It's a cold day in hell. It's just, God almighty. Robert Gibson, he could, he could screw up a good wet dream. I mean, it doesn't. Poor Gibson. He he was definitely not the brains of the outfit. That's for sure. <laughs> and that's uh, that's saying a whole lot, honestly. <laughs> more, more more than you more, more than we know. Ricky Morton with his usual he he does he always delivers a fiery promo and he's calling out Cornette. Uh, it's an entertaining, if nothing else, because Robert Gibson is invariably going to screw something up. And Ricky Morton's just going to yell at the camera for three for three minutes. Uh, highlight of last week's attack on Brian Lee, and then we go to a highlight of the six man match at some random house show. Brian Lee gets attacked by a new mystery man, and by God, it's the Night Stalker. And if you don't know him as the Night Stalker, you will know him as Adam Bomb. And if you don't know him as Adam Bomb, you might know him as Brian <laughs> Clark from Chronic. So. Um, Honestly, it's an... Is that it? Do what? Is that it? Does he not have any more? I I don't know. I mean, do you know of any more? I know that he was the Night Stalker, Adam Bomb, and Brian Clark. Off the top of my head. Okay. Andy, um, was there any more monikers that were missing here? I think you pretty well covered it. There you go. But anyway, he's he's not very talented, um, but he is big and he's muscular, and at least he looks a lot more imposing than the uh, four foot six inch Mongolian Mauler. We we oh. go to the desk with Bob Armstrong, and he calls the Mongolian Mauler by name finally because we've we have just been calling him the Big Red Bastard on TV until now. And uh, he gives him a match with uh, Brian Lee. They're gonna they're gonna have a match somewhere down the line. And then at the end of the promo, he accidentally calls him the Mongolian Stomper. Which would have been oh my God. much better. Uh-oh. I mean, they could have brought the Mongolian Stomper in, and, and we'd have been cooking then. Uh, and the Mongolian Stomper eventually will make a few rare appearances. A coop, we got the he Mongolian. He is a scary motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and he was he was legit. I mean, the guy may have been sixty years old in the mid nineties, but by God, he was in good shape. Yeah, we saw him wrestle in a spike match in Johnson City. Uh, a spike match? What's that? Yeah, the what was that? Singapore spike. Oh yeah, like the yeah the. Okay, so I guess was he with Kevin Sullivan by then, or was Sullivan already out? They were. He was actually fighting him. Oh okay, there you go. So Sullivan, when he comes in, I guess he does stick around longer than I think, or he comes in and out more than once. But yeah, the the Mongolian Stomper's awesome. So we Bob Armstrong just shoots all my hopes and dreams down because. We we have the Mongolian Mauler. He 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 
mentions the Mongolian stomper and gets me excited for a second. And then I just remember that Bob Armstrong misspoke. Um, well, there we go. We'll, we'll have a Mongolian Mahler and Brian Lee match somewhere down the line, which is bound to be very entertaining. Match number two is the Canadian champion, Newton Steffi, <laughs> against Killer Kyle. And uh, for some reason, we have an extended squash match. Uh, we just can't have enough Killer Kyle on TV. I mean, at this point, I think that uh, this is a squash match that, I, Andy, I didn't time it, but I think it lasts about eight minutes. I think somebody ripped their tights backstage and they were just trying to fill time. They must have been. Um, he, he does the rub out like normal, and he almost damn near kills himself like normal. And then uh, the the most, the I mean, Robert Fuller already has the cock thrust maneuver, and now Killer Kyle is doing this reverse uh, bear hug that, that looks pretty inappropriate itself, really. Uh, and that's how he uh, submits Newton Steffi with a with a reverse bear hug. Uh, any more to be said about that match? Uh, no, the less said, less be- is better. Yeah. Let's. I bet Newton Steffi never made it back to Canada because some good old Mountain Boy got an idea after that match was over. Well, see, that's the thing with what he was doing and the way they was describing it. It was like the Heimlich thrust or yeah, something. The, the Heimlich know. thrust. I'm like, is that supposed to keep you from going out? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. Out. I think it tries to get whatever's in your throat out, but replace else. He, hey, let, they, let's they, just go on. I mean, at least Cornette did try to explain what the move was doing. It just, <laughs> it just it didn't work. I mean, we, we've had 25 years since this crap happened, so we're, we're definitely more warped than we were 25 years ago. Perhaps. The desk... With the heavenly bodies. Uh, Lane keeps talking about the his ear. And the fans are just completely eating it up. Pritchard is doing his normal I want to get laid thing. But the whole thing about this, this promo, and I can't even really remember what Cornette says because Stan Lane is selling his ear so well through this promo that all I'm doing is watching him look like he's having, it looks like he's dying. Andy, um, I keep I keep talking about Stan Lane in the ear and thinking it's stupid, but the more I watch it, then you see something like this, and you're like, actually, this is becoming entertaining. Well, it, it's a stupid. You can't help but watch it. Uh, it's, well, I don't know how to explain Stan it. Lane, he, he, definitely, um, he definitely plays it up. He, 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 he goes all in on this. We go back to the ring with Dutch Mantel as down and dirty in Dutch, and he's got stud stable. And oh boy, the last time he had the stud stable, Andy, um, would you care to share what, it, what, what the story? <laughs> uh, no, I would, I would rather not. <laughs> okay. Well, well, the the gist of the story is the Robert Fuller named uh, uh, some new ponies, Ricky and Robert, and then uh, basically he just. He kicked the crap out of the horses, and uh, then, and then they told him they loved him. him. <laughs> so, I mean, the night that Fuller uh, done that story, he had taken an incredible bump and not in the ring. It was snowing in July. Snowing in the middle of summer. Um, Robert Fuller says that Robert Gibson darn near fell out of the ring on him, and he was just trying to help him. 
after they show the highlights of what happened last week. He said that he had glassy eyes and he, he may have been drunk. And then here's a good here's a good storyline. Robert Fuller says that Elvis Presley never touched a drug in his life. And uh, they go on about the drugs that Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses take. And that he's an honorary member of D.A.R.E. Andy, um, I, uh, I don't know if he's telling the truth. Hey, if you're going to have somebody in there to teach about drug education, ta-da! <laughs> there you go. Um, Coop, uh, m- the most notorious wrestler in, in wrestling uh, that uh, that likes to partake in cocaine, uh, w- would you call Robert Fuller maybe in the top five? Uh, don't tell you. I don't know if I'd go top five. I mean, he he's up there though. I mean, he he um, and that's allegedly uh, we're we're not getting sued on this show. <laughs> this is all make believe. But you got to remember, Buddy Landell takes like spot one to four. So yeah, I mean, Buddy Landell is he's in a category all to himself. Uh, Gino Hernandez and Terry Gordy are not far behind. I mean, actually, maybe we should put Gino Hernandez as number one because he is the only one that actually snorted himself to death. You just got to keep bringing us down, don't you? No, I mean, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> we go back. So the, the, the studs table, um, I, I'm not exactly sure what their point was in this uh, except to call Robert um, – Robert Gibson, a drug addict. Uh, and he did say his eyes was going all over the place. So. <laughs> but, but there's so much to make fun of about him, and you pick that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's the most obvious choice. Uh, yeah, it's staring you right in the face. Uh, poor Robert Gibson. Uh, he's not a bad worker, but he showed that he's not a good singles wrestler. Because we got to see plenty of that in the first twenty some episodes, and uh, he he's still he's yet to impress, but he's still there. So, and he will continue to be there for the entire duration of this show. The desk with Ron Wright, and he says that he was about to have a heart attack over Tim Horner, that Horner is continuing to harass him. Horner comes out and he wants his contract. Wright calls Horner a liar, and then the dirty white boy. <laughs> The dirty white boy nails Tim Horner with the chair and possibly the picture of the week that will go out with the playlist is Horner on his knees um, in Ron Wright's lap. Andy, without, I mean, I know that we have a lot of innuendos, but it, Horner legitimately has his face buried in Ron Wright's lap. Correct? This is true. And then the next thing There's that a happens... Blanket is the dirty white boy whips him and then he handcuffs and then he him, and then he puts a new and then then he brings a noose out and i mean at this point <laughs> all i can think is there's a, some people that pay real good money for this and Tim, Tim Horner's getting it for free and dirty white boy hangs Tim Horner with the noose and Horner starts bleeding from the mouth and a rock and roll express finally come out and save him and honestly We've seen a lot of weird stuff. I mean, in one in one episode, I'm pretty sure we had a stabbing, uh, attempted shooting. Uh, somebody was threatening to kill somebody else. 
And in this episode, we finally take the cake. We hang somebody to the point the fans actually think the guy might be dying because it looked pretty real. I mean, if you don't know what's going on, and even if you do know what's going on, Tim Horner actually sells the crap out of this. And he, he, I don't know if he held his breath or what, but he really did turn purple. Andy, you, we couldn't get away with that right now. I mean, that kind of angle would it, get kicked off TV and there would be no more Smoky Mountain next week. No, because this is the second hanging we've had in three episodes. I mean, come yeah, I mean, on. I mean, they did Somebody had an asphyxiation fetish. It's all you can say about it. We hung Ronnie Garvin by, by his towel. But, I mean, they hung Tim Horner with the noose. They were in Kentucky. Well, thank God. I'm not saying that it was available. I'm just saying. I, I mean, Cornette has allegedly had some issues with um, people that are not white. So, no, not Jim Cornette. So it uh, it's probably just a good thing we didn't have any um, non-white wrestlers at the taping in Kentucky. Or we could we have, are just glad Doug Furness was safe in Japan. Doug Furness isn't black. <laughs> Wait, do you think Doug Furness... Well, hold on a second. This is a whole new topic. Do you, <laughs> do, do you think Doug Furness is black? He was dark enough for Kentucky is all I'm saying. Okay, well, Doug Furness is absolutely not black. <laughs> he was also dark. Uh, he was. Now I'm going to have That's to. That's all I'm saying. I know he ain't black. I'm just saying he was dark enough for Kentucky in the early 90s. It, he, could, he had a jury curl. No, he did. He did have that. I will give you that. He he, he did kind of look, um, he, he tanned real well, but he he. he and he's he doesn't come back. That, that's a missed opportunity right there. My God, Coop. We talked about Doug Furness because he did come in for Andy. It was weird. He was in like one episode. And yeah, I think he was in there about the same time as the Black Jack or whatever his name was. Mm, yeah, yeah. So Horner was in there for like one or two episodes, and I know that he just had a better deal in Japan, so he didn't stick around. But the, if the, Cornette puts his all of his eggs in Brian Lee's basket as the guy that he's going to go with because he couldn't get Brad Armstrong and he couldn't get um, Terry Taylor. But he had Doug Furness staring him in the face, and he takes Brian Lee. Uh, Coop, I mean, are you as high on Furness as we are? Because the guy was just a genetic freak of nature. I'm not really as high on him as you are, but... Like the people around here just fucking love him. Oh, they did. I mean, I so thought he, he would was, be the one to go with. He was real athletic, and uh, uh, I think he relates better to the people in East Tennessee than Brian Lee did. Exactly, because Brian Lee's not a good baby face, period, ever. But he becomes a good heel, so that at least we got that. Um, so I mean, we have a hanging, and the fans are. The one time, I mean, usually they get a lot of heat on the hill, and you know the, they're throwing crap and they're yelling. They stop. They just sit there. You know that you have went over the line when the fans are sitting there going, "Oh crap, um, Andy." That was before hardcore wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess maybe on a national stage we had just saw a couple of years before that Terry Funk put a plastic bag over Ric Flair's head and hung him, but 
That was more silly than anything. I mean, Flair wasn't bleeding out of the mouth, and he didn't turn purple. This is just a whole new ball game. Well, like you say, I mean, you know, we watch wrestling and have watched wrestling for years, so we could see the little, you know, nuances of what he was doing to keep from actually choking out. Oh, yeah. and I'm, But he played a- it so well that, you know, just the look on his face, like you say, the whole audience got quiet. Like, they're actually going to kill somebody right here in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Stop the murder. Where they're killing Tim Warner on TV. Uh, we're at the desk with Bob Armstrong now, and man, he's pissed. He was livid. He said that he's going to give Horner as many matches as he needs to beat Dirty White Boy for the title. At that point, it, has the commissioner overstepped his boundary? Andy, uh, do you agree with Commissioner Armstrong? Uh, no. No, but I know that. Yeah, I know. Here's what I think happened. I think Horner threatened to release like the Smoky Mountain music CD <laughs> if he didn't get enough chances to get the title. Possibly. That's just my personal theory. I, uh, I mean, at, at that point, should Armstrong not just give Tim Horner the title? That's basically like saying, I'm giving him the title eventually because I'm going to give him so many matches, he's eventually going to beat you. More or less. Uh, He was a Hill commissioner without being a Hill commissioner. Backstage with Ronnie Garvin, um, he calls Paula Orndorff Paula, and he is still way too mad over this towel. Uh, I don't don't understand it, but then he also, by the time the interview is over, that he tells Orndorff that he is going to take his underwear. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know what that has to do with his towel, but it's going to make Ronnie Garvin feel better. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. You got to throw allegedly in there. Allegedly. Disclaimer. And then you can say whatever you want to. (laughs) Say allegedly and then go. I don't care what you say. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I like Ronnie Garvin, and I like his and Orndorff's matches because they just beat the crap out of each other. But neither one of them is going to win the gold, uh, the gold, the Golden Globe for being able to speak. The uh, uh, Garvin does his talking with his fist, and he doesn't need to talk about Paul Orndorff's underwear. That's just strange. Yes, and he doesn't need to be that mad over a, over a towel. towel. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like he yeah. took his NWA gold title. And <laughs> you took my towel, I'm taking your bloomers. Yeah. What? The, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Orndorff, we go to the main event of this entire taping, I guess, which is Paul Orndorff against Primetime, Brian Lee, $10,000 bounty match. Um, this was a good match. This was definitely uh, probably the best match of the whole tapings because Orndorf can work. Even though Brian Lee's not that great, Orndorf carries him. Uh, during this match, Dutch Mantel, for some reason, challenges Bob Cottle to get in the ring and and fight him. And Bob Cottle said that he'd do it. And he said, yeah, I might only last two or three seconds, but I'd get in there with you. And Dutch Mantel actually breaks character and laughs because it was just so 
Because <laughs> well, Bartolo see, didn't what, miss a damn I, beat. I remember. I mean, he, he was like, what oh, they were, I'll fight with you. Well, see, what they were discussing is the upcoming contest for the fans to send in their dream matches. Oh, yeah, yeah, the dream match deal. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and that that was one of those that come up, and he asked Bob Cottle if he would actually get in the ring with him, and that's when he told him, you know, yeah, by me on like second. But, I mean, Bob Connell didn't miss a beat. Like, yeah, I'll get in the ring with you. And, and yeah. it's just, I don't think he expected that response, and he just loses it. Uh, I, I was waiting on a country accent to kick out with him. Hey, it ain't nothing me whoop a man's ass or get one whoop. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been the best thing that could have happened. Just, his Bob Connell just threatened <laughs> to whip Dutch Mantel. Because Dutch Mantel, knowing him, would have begged off of Bob Connell and, and played scared. And that would have been hilarious. And then when he turned around, hit him with a crotch shot and pinned him or something. Something. Or just drag him around the ring by his mustache. That'd be cool. Yeah, it would have been nice. Um, Coop. Uh, I have a problem with this match, though. Okay. All right, we've got our all-knowing, all-seeing, backdoor-guarding commissioner out here. Uh-huh. And he's, yeah, and he's saying that anybody in Smoky Mountain involved with this bounty is going to be banned. And then they turn around and have a ten thousand dollar bounty match. No, no, no. See, I, the the problem is the the caveat here is that he is saying that anybody that is responsible for placing the bounty, I guess he's completely okay with somebody trying to collect. <laughs> I mean, next week Bob Armstrong is going to be beating Brian Lee's ass. <laughs> I don't know. NFL rules. What's that? It's NFL rules. As long you can go after a bounty, you just can't say anything about it. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, the bounty could not be placed by anybody in Smoky Mountain, but because it's out there, uh, you can try to collect it. <laughs> you do not talk about Fight Club, rule two. <laughs> uh, so uh, Lee gets on offense. I mean, this match was really good, and then Lee gets on offense, and it goes all to hell. He comes off the top rope, Andy. I know when he comes off the top rope, he's, I guess he's trying to do a leg, like a, a leg drop or a drop kick to a guy laying on his back. And I've never seen somebody drop kick a guy laying on his back. So I can only assume the clumsy idiot tried to do a leg drop and missed, and he kicked Orndorff in the side of the head. And I thought that's when he was going to die, right there. Yeah, the look on Orndorff's face said that he was ready to kill him. Um he goes outside and he grabs the ring bell and he's going to try to pile drive Brian Lee on the bell. Mark Curtis pulls Brian Lee's legs down and stops it. He DQs Orndorff. Lee gets the win. Pretty much a crappy ending. Uh, there's a decent match and then a crappy ending. And that's another running theme here in Smoky Mountain. We'll, we'll have a good match and then a sh just not a very good ending. Um, what did you think? I've never seen nothing like that. I still go back to the movie. It's like he got airborne and completely forgot where he was at. Is and then at the last second, oh yeah, leg and yeah, I, yeah. I'm the Orndorff's going to kill him. Yeah, Orndorff was um, none too pleased. Coop, I uh, want to see the fight backstage. That's the one I want to see. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if Paul Orndorff will whip Van Vader's ass. I don't have any doubt in the world that he could have killed Brian Lee. No, because all Brian Lee could get out is, I'm six, and that'd be it. <laughs> I'm six. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Uh, speaking of that, Andy, we go to the desk with Brian Lee. He says that 10000 oh, no. can make a man do a lot of things. Insert Jackie Fulton pun here. Um, he will be given $10,000 worth of butt whippings, though. And uh, our uh, our growth check this week, Brian Lee is now six foot eight and two hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, he was six foot six a couple of weeks ago. He is he is on some uh, pretty high intensity growth hormone. I mean, before it's over, he's going to be nine feet tall. Then bulletproof, or is ten feet tall and bulletproof? Yeah, ten feet tall and bulletproof. He's gonna be ten feet tall and bullet. Have you have you seen the the glitch in the NBA live games or the whatever NBA two K games, where it's a team of regular people against a team of like people that are eighteen feet tall? Eventually, that's be Brian, Brian Lee. Lee right that's there. eventually it's gonna be Brian Lee. He's gonna walk into the ring and be bigger than the ring, and then just step on somebody. But he would still suck. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> He'd be He'd bigger, still find a way to lose. Bigger than El Gigante and still suck. Oh, okay, boy. so we have went through, just blew through three tapings here. And um, I guess we're in and out of Pikeville, but we've got some new storylines brewing. You know, we got the Heavenly Bodies coming with uh, the rock and roll. That's going to be going on. Paul Orndorff and Ronnie Garvin's fighting over a towel in Orndorff's underwear. A towel against underwear on a pole match. It's coming up. Uh, oh, yeah, but will person be wearing said underwear when it's put on the pole? Or, I mean, are we going with the atomic wedgie or just, you know? I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to hang Paul Orndorff from a pole. Good point. I mean, maybe if it was Ronnie Garvin, I, I could see it. I mean, Ronnie Garvin's kind of a little guy. He'd, he'd hang from the pole. Not Orndorff. So we got that, we got that. We got the fa- the Fantastics are kind of still feuding with the Heavenly Bodies, and so is the Rock and Roll Express, who's also feuding with the Stud Stable. Um, Bob Coddle and Dutch Mantel may be fighting at any point very soon. Brian Lee has got problems with the bounty, and the Dirty White Boy and Tim Horner's got their own little deal going on. So at the end of the day, honestly, the feuds they've got going, it, they're interesting. I mean... I'm interested to see what happens next, but the, this just wasn't three shows that'll blow you away. Hey, Andy, uh, your your final thoughts on the shows this week? Well, uh, like you say, they're they're building up a good storyline. the The execution in the matches leaves a lot to be desired. But then again, I mean, not knocking the talent they got, but really with what they had to work with at this time, they're they're doing pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I still wish they had have still had Hector Guerrero hanging around. I think he was a – they could have done some more with him because he was one of the better Oh, definitely. Even if Justin has some kind of a prejudice against him. Well, you know how Yankees are. Yeah. Uh, Coop, so we got through three episodes here, Smoky Mountain. We kind of know where the storyline's headed. This is still really early in Smoky Mountain's run, though. I mean, my God, we've not got to the good stuff yet. Not really. Just some glimmers of it. What What do you think? What What do you think about what's going on? Uh, it shows a lot of promise. Yeah, I mean, they're they're you can tell that they're headed in the right direction. Uh, they're going to have some hiccups, but if nothing else, for back at, for back at the, in that day though, it was it was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we got to remember still, WWF every week, WCW, uh, they were mostly having squash matches on TV. 
there wasn't a whole lot yeah. of good TV matches going on. So you you do have to remember what time we're in. We're still in that. We're not in that time period where they're fighting for ratings and having to put out a good match every every time somebody comes out the curtain. Yeah, you're not going to get Goldberg versus Hogan. No, and the funny thing about this whole thing is everything comes full circle because with the way Raw and SmackDown is doing now, they're actually there is actually some squash matches on Raw and SmackDown again, and the fans like it because they've not seen it because these young fans, what's going on? I mean, we're used to this fifty-fifty bullshit, and my God, that, that Nia Jax is just killing that girl. Well, that's the whole point. You're supposed to make her look like a monster. And Smoky Mountain's doing that. I mean, I hate the the Killer Kyle thing, but I mean, he beat poor Newton Steffi's mustache off in that match. And and honestly, I get more enjoyment out of watching a one hour episode of Smoky Mountain than up till very very recently, even trying to sit through a Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's true. And, and if nothing else, just the comedic value from 25 years later on some of the crap that they come out with makes these makes these shows it, it doesn't matter what's going on i mean ronnie garvin being that mad over a towel there's got to be there's some humor in that and, and then just some of the um off-kilter comments they make that they wouldn't make now because it means something totally different and some of the stuff they pulled off, you know, looking back at it now, you didn't catch it then, but now you can see the look on their face when they say, and you're like, oh, they didn't know what they yeah, were saying. They, they, it's you like know? they were they were slotting it in there. They knew what was going on. Yeah, when 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 Pritchard's out there trying to set up a three way with somebody in the crowd while Cornette's talking, uh-huh. you look back at it now and you're like, how did I miss? Oh yeah, I was ten. You know, yeah. that's how I missed it. Yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> The, the, the one episode, that is one of the best things I've ever seen. Pritchard looking at the people in the crowd, and he's pointing at him and Lane and then pointing at the girl, and then doing two for one, two for one. He's, he's trying to set it up right there. It's you, you can't beat that kind of stuff. And now they would just come out and say, well, you want to have a threesome? Who cares? It's not funny that way. It's more funny when you just kind of subtly do it. That's the thing that a lot of these – that they miss now that the rest of the, a lot of the rest of them don't get. Yeah. They don't either. They don't get it or they won't let them do it. So I, I don't know which one it is. I, I think a lot of it is they don't get it. So, okay. So we're, we're out of this episode. We, I don't know how many TV, how, how many episodes are on the next TV taping or where even it is, but we'll try to either split it up into two shows or if it's three and we, we might do one more. Uh, Andy, this is coming up on a busy season for us because we do, I mean, we're doing regular jobs and coaching and high school football and God knows. Yeah, the else. B team's going to be back again. Yeah, you know, the B team's going to be calling some high school football games. So we will, uh, we will, we'll try to get another show out here in a couple of weeks. I mean, I, if I promise you one thing, if I'm not dead, we'll we'll try to get one out within two months. The next time, we'll we'll try to do a little better than that. So yeah, no no more long breaks. It, it, too much rust happens. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to shake off all that rust, and and you you're like you're trying to get back into it. And you're like, what happened? I watched this episode, and I don't even remember what it did. So you go back and rewatch it, and 
but but it's it's heading in a good direction so at least it's interesting and uh we we got a lot of good stuff coming up and i know there's another big car getting ready to happen that will will hit and and the the big reveal is about to come up with brian lee stalker which will which will be highly entertaining highly entertaining the 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 task is at hand andy any final thoughts this week I, I just think we did a masterful job of this show, and I'm glad to be back. I hope Justin has found Brian Lee and put an end to the madness. Um, Coop, this is your first show. What would you like to leave our loyal listeners with this week? Stay tuned for the chicken wire cage match. It's coming. Yeah, we will have a few of them, and I'm sure you saw them live in Freedom Hall, by God. Can't beat it. All right. All right. So for Clint Cooper, for Andy Waddell, and for the keyboard hero, Mr. Bounty himself, Justin Edgel, I'm Ricky Wittenberg saying another fire in the mountains in the books. Fornicate Brian Lee.